0: this is Kaden and this is my daddy's podcast called lasting learning hi this is Dave Schmidow the host of the lasting learning podcast on this show we talk to real people with real stories we focus on the focus and discuss what matters most. Let's go. This podcast is a proud member of the Teach Better Podcast Network. Better today, better tomorrow, and the podcast to get you there. Explore more podcasts at www.teachbetterpodcastnetwork.com. Now let's get on to the episode. All right, everybody. Welcome back to another episode of the Lasting Learning Podcast. Today's episode is one that I am super, super excited about because I get to have a conversation with a relatively new friend. I've got a guest on today who, um, I'll just be real. I'm going to put it out there, Daphne, so forgive me. <laughs> I've kind of been cyber-stalking now for about six weeks or so, um, following every single post, every, every picture, every word that, that is written uh, by her. And The more I read, the more I see, the more impressed I am. I am so excited to have our guest on today. She is a mom. She is an author. She is a teacher. She's Canadian, which we know I love my Canadians, (laughs) eh? Um, She is just absolutely amazing. And for those of you that don't know her, I am so stinking excited to introduce her to you. Today, we've got the one, the only, and I'm assuming it's the one and only, Daphne, McMenemy on. Daphne thank you so much for being here.
1: That's quite an intro. I don't know if I can live up to that.
0: Well you are the Daphne so just uh, roll with that. All right. Um, all right. Y- you've got a lot to live up to right now.
1: It's a so, lot.
0: It is. So, so Daphne <laughs> other than Canadian and mm-hmm. other than all that other stuff I mentioned can you just introduce yourself to the world?
1: The world. That's, that's no I mean pressure. there are people
0: listening to this everywhere. No pressure. No pressure. Bite those nerves.
1: So, so, I am all of those things that you said. Um, to add to the Canadian stereotype, I, I'm also a hockey player.
0: Oh, um, <laughs> I want to hear what um, that's all about as we yeah, go. <laughs>
1: yeah, it's, uh, I wear a toque, um, which is a hat for the winter. Um, but yeah, so, so I, I'm a hockey player, not a good one, um, but it doesn't matter. I play to hang out with, uh, with my girlfriends weekly on the ice. Um, I teach, I'm a mom, they, uh, I'm an author. Uh, first time author uh, published in December and I'm currently working on um, a couple projects in the background um, a follow-up to my first book and then something completely brand new um, what else uh, I'm an editor uh, I work with uh, Brian Aspinall and Codebreaker Inc on um, his projects our projects and through I do a lot of stuff with oh I'm the, so I don't I do this stuff I am the social media director as well um so yeah i kind of you kind, kind of do, do everything a, a, yeah a little bit of everything
0: so do you are you do you do you participate in curling i'm just gonna throw all the canadian stereotypes <laughs> out there do, okay, you, go. do you curl do you take the broom to the ice do you i
1: have sled curl. in a
0: toboggan like
1: i own a toboggan
0: <laughs> that's so awesome <laughs> <laughs> and this is from a guy in michigan who i'm i might be farther north than you are you but yet I am just going to play up these stereotypes as though it's, <laughs> every single Canadian lives like this. Well,
1: there is there is a stereotype for a reason. I'd probably check off a few of the boxes that, that go along with it. I have curled, but I don't curl. I have a toboggan. Uh, what I'll, I say about, for some reason, my U.S. friends hear a boot, but I, I don't know. That's not what I hear. That's all right. I can go well, with you it. know, I,
0: every, every picture I've seen of you lately online shows you out and about at the pool. Yes. So when, when did the pool thaw? And when were you able to first get in it? Or do you just jump in when it's 40 degrees? Or I mean, how does that work?
1: No, I'm a bit of a princess when it comes to our pool. It needs to be super hot.
0: Okay.
1: <laughs> I'm, I'm high maintenance that way. <laughs> but uh, the pool opened in, in March, roughly uh, towards the end of March. We opened it early this year because we are stuck at home, with nothing to do. Yeah. So uh, we opened it early, cranked up the heat. Um, I say A, shamelessly. I drink Tim Horton's coffee. Oh, there you go. Um, yeah. And I was, oh, and I, I do, I say sorry a lot. So there's my stereotype checklist.
0: That's awesome. Well, <laughs> I, you know, I put all that out there tongue in cheek because first of all, it's super funny and it's adorable that you do check all the boxes. But I <laughs> want to try to paint the picture for people too, because one of the things I want to dive into today is what life is like for an educator in Canada. Before we started recording, you were talking to me a little bit about your role. And you teach some of the little bitties in, in Canada. Can you talk to us about, like, right now you teach kindergarten. I do. What, what is that like? Um, and I'm going to try to compare it and reconcile it to what it's like here in the state. So talk to us a little bit. You talked about it. It's a two-year program. you got a, a co-teacher. Walk me through some of that.
1: So kindergarten in Ontario um, is now what we call a foot- well. It's called a full-day kindergarten um, because it used to be a half-day program where um, junior kindergartners would come um, in the morning and senior kindergartners would come in the afternoon or vice versa, depending on your school. So about, there's, yeah, I said it, about, <laughs> um, I honestly can't remember how many years ago, but it we moved from that that half-day model to a full-day model. And three years ago is when I started teaching kindergarten. And so our classes have uh, in my school board, they said on average, I'm going to say about 30. Some have uh, 25. I have heard of other classes having upwards of 35. Some can even be close to 40, which I can't even imagine. Um, so in Ontario, because when we became that full-day uh, program, there was a second educator added to the room. And what we call them here is DECs, which stands for Designated Early Childhood Educator. So if our classes have more than 15 um, kindergarten students, then we teach with our DC. I'm going to give mine a shout out because she is amazing. And she's definitely going to be listening to this because she's one of my biggest supporters. Her name is Rosie Rain. Rosie and I met uh, two years ago and she is unbelievable. She's amazing. She has the biggest heart. She makes me a better person Um, every day. She is every day I get to go into work and be with Rosie and I am better because of her. I am better for just being in the same room as her. She just, she just, she's just a beautiful person inside and out. Um, I couldn't do what I do without her. I wouldn't be who I am without her. When I met Rosie, um, I can be honest, I was going through a tough time. I had lost my brother um, in the spring of that year. Um, That changed who I was um, moving forward after that. And so There were days at school where, you know, I would be fine in the morning and I'd get to school and just kind of fall apart. Um, I was learning the grief process. I was learning how to do all of that. And then I met this person who made everything better and she made everything easy. And, you know, she became that person. It's crazy how, you know, she was a complete stranger. And then she became this person who could look at me and just say, I got it. You can go, and I could you know walk out of the room and, and take a walk if I needed to compose myself if it was a particularly rough day um, and so we just built this this friendship um this like I just I love her to death and i I just I don't know how I could teach everyday kindergarten without having her by my side
0: Well, it's so powerful and she's work i'm gonna, I'm gonna break it down what, some of what you just said and start with the very end. I don't know how you teach kindergarten. I'll just leave it like that, <laughs> um, let alone with with a, another adult in the room. Um, and I'm going to be very transparent really here. Difficult. Yeah, because back when when I was a classroom teacher, I, I taught middle school and I had co-teachers almost every single year in various classes. And I was not very good at supporting co-teachers. I was one of those teachers who basically played the I got it card. I'll, I'll handle it. You just do your thing, I'll do my thing. Wasn't Mm -hmm. a whole lot of collaboration, not a whole lot of true co-teaching. It was somebody else in the room that honestly I looked at as though they were just getting in the way. And I felt like sometimes I could just do things better myself. And I know that was completely me. They were some amazing, amazing people. I look back at it and I'm like, man, I missed some opportunities there. I love the fact that you've got somebody that you have embraced on a personal level and you understand that that's what transcends and translates into an amazing professional relationship. Now, did you guys get to match up meet up on your own or was this like a, a forced marriage if you will
1: um a, a little bit of both actually so uh the school that Rosie and I are at right now is a brand new building so we both came from separate schools okay. um to teach to kindergarten together uh we were placed together there was there's two my have two other colleagues um just randomly uh it was Rosie and I who were partnered up to be um to be partners for the year and then Um, So we met ahead of time. We didn't really, we met, you know, casually just a hello when we had uh, an event at the school that we had to gather for. I didn't know much about her. In August of that year, we got together as a kindergarten team. So it was myself um, and uh, Rosie and my other colleagues. Again, we just sort of, you know, sat down to plan the year and and what we were going to do. And then we had, if I remember correctly, we had, we'd had a staff meeting and And we had, we actually, the school wasn't finished yet. Uh, um, We didn't move into the school until Labor Day Monday. And our first day of school is (laughs) the Tuesday after Labor Day. So the week, I think it was a week, It could be wrong. The week prior, we had a staff meeting at uh, the golf club down the street from the school. Um, After the golf club, Rosie and I kind of walked to the parking lot to walk to our cars together. And it was that awkward, you know, adult Friendship kind of thing, like it's like you're dating, you know. So we kind of walked because I don't know, it's like she's gonna be my partner. I guess we should walk to the cards together. I don't know. So we walked and we just sort of started talking. And, um, you know, it's funny that you say when you were working with your co teachers, um, I taught kindergarten before, uh, Rosie, and um, I th- it was the first time that I had to work with another adult in the room and it was a huge, huge learning experience. And I learned a lot about myself. I learned a lot about um, what to do and I learned a lot about what not to do. Mm. Um, I learned a lot about myself as a professional, as a colleague. Um, I always knew that I was a team player, but what I came to learn about myself in that year was that the way I was presenting myself, my body language, my tone, my choice of words, were not being heard from my partner the way I thought that they were. So I had to do a lot of self-reflection, um, a lot of internal growth to make sure that I was coming across the way I intended. Um, and I had an amazing administrator that year who sat me down and really, really helped me, um, reflect on how I was coming across in order to make myself heard the way I wanted to be heard. So, when Rosie and I were in the parking lot that day, and I don't know if she remembers, um, I laid it out right on the spot for her. The biggest thing that I learned and my admin at the time had pointed out, she had said to me, "When um, when you, when she, so what she had said to me was when she first met me, she was kind of taken aback because I questioned everything. Mm-hmm. And she said, and I mean everything. And what she said, and I'm so thankful for her, um, she said she didn't take it personally, she sat back to try and kind of figure out what that was all about. And what she learned about me that I hadn't even realized was that I wasn't questioning to question. I was questioning to understand. So that's what I learned about myself. And I threw that right out there for Rosie. Um, And I said to her, I'm going to ask a lot of questions and it's not because I don't trust your professional opinion or your ideas or anything like that. It's because I need to understand where you're coming from and where you're going so that I can be better. And as soon as I said that to her, she said, thank you. Thank you for letting me know that. Mm -hmm. Um, and then I was very transparent with my grief journey, which, um, I openly talk about because it has become uh, a part of who I am. And she was so thankful that I was open with her. Um, but really, what I found in Rosie is somebody who has the exact same passion for children that I have. We have the same, um, model of, or the same beliefs, the same belief system of, of what, what our job is, what we are there for, for these kids. So it's really easy to work with somebody who, um, who sees what you see when it comes to ed- to educating our, our littlest people. Um, and it's, it, that part was, was, <clears throat> that part was really easy awesome. and so crazy grateful.
0: I, I want a Rosie in my life because you, I, everybody I, needs I, a Rosie. I feel, I feel like she's, she served the role almost as that, that magic mirror. Like if you think about it, like snow white, um, it, we talk of reflection a lot right now in education. Now everybody needs to be able to, to look themselves in the mirror and learn and grow. But I know for me, I, I suck at reflection. I'll just be blunt. I'll use a real life metaphor for this, but when I'm getting ready in the morning, I, I look in a mirror and then I walk downstairs and my clothes still don't match. I mean, I still have <laughs> patches of facial hair that I miss when I shaved. I'm, I'm looking at my reflection, but I miss so much. I want a magic mirror that says, no, here you're not the fairest in all the land. Here's here's what other people really see when they're looking at you. I need some, some of that in my life. And I feel like that's kind of what you've discovered. She, she reminds me of somebody that can... Kick you under the table when you start to open your mouth and say something that you might not need to say. I feel, I feel like you and I are kind of like his kindred spiritual. We ask a lot of questions, and sometimes our questions are bear pokes where we 're poking the bear, and our questions can kind of inflame other people that don't quite know where we're coming from. Right. Now, do, does Rosie have Carb blanche to give you that swift kick in the shins to say, "zip it, shut it, let's talk later on? <laughs>
1: So she does, but she won't. And so here's what's beautiful about Rosie: she is that magic mirror who will look at you. But what she always sees, because it's how she is built from the inside out, is beauty. That's mm. just what she sees. Um, she, she's just she's oh god, she's just she's just amazing. Like I can't tell you anything that's wrong with Rosie. She's so <laughs> perfect. Um, and we we just have we have the ability to say. Um, hey I really like that idea but what about this or the other thing too is we can we've got this sort of connection where maybe I don't, I don't agree is not the right word but maybe something she wants to do or something I want to do isn't the exact way that the other had pictured it but we have enough respect um, towards the other person that we can kind of sit back and and, and let it go um, and i wasn't able to do that before i met rosie
0: awesome. uh, i don't know
1: why um, but i wasn't um, so she's she's given me that that gift to to see to appreciate what somebody else can bring to the table and i and i wasn't very good at that before awesome. i can i can admit that very honestly i didn't know that. that at the time
0: yeah right yeah <laughs> but i do now, <laughs> I do now. that's awesome So I want to take this a step forward because, uh, in education, we are always evolving. We're always growing. And you've talked about your, your journey a little bit and some of the, the external factors that have impacted that. But throughout that journey, I I think most of us have these, these anchors, these things that we hold true to us, how we approach them and the strategies we go to, to get other people to believe in our, our anchors or our, our, um. Our hills that we're willing to die on is a whole nother story, but as an educator, um, what is it? What what are those things that you say? Ooh, this is this is what I stand for. If somebody were to say, Daphne, what's what's it all about? What is your educational purpose? What is your why? What is it?
1: My why? It sounds so hokey, but my why are the kids, um, and it's such a cheesy, you know, answer. But it's what it's kind of what it is. Um, I love, I love my people there the the relationships that I build with my kids are number one that's what's so that's what's most important for me we we have fun in our learning but our classroom is our safe space these are um my call my kinders my squad these are my people these are who I work for and you know I really believe that (coughs) excuse me the the learning is going to happen the curriculum is going to be covered we're going to check all of those boxes if we don't have a relationship with those kids, nothing's going to, nothing's going to happen. Um, You know, I had, I had a a, a student one year, her name is Chloe. And um, she was, um, she taught me a lot. Chloe taught me a lot. And what I learned from Chloe was the importance of relationships. I knew that they were important. I focused on them. But it wasn't something that was in the forefront. I, I didn't walk in every day saying, all right, I'm going to build these relationships. I just, that's just sort of, you know, what I did. Then um, Chloe didn't show up for school for a couple of days and I come to find out it's because she didn't want to and her mom couldn't get her to come to school and she was young. She was, uh, we were, it was grade three, third grade, so she was eight. Um, and mom showed up to school and said, she doesn't want to come to school and I couldn't get her here. And when I asked why, I had my back up right away. I asked why. And she said, because she thinks you don't like her. Um, it was a really, really difficult thing to hear. Um, because, you know, well, as a teacher, what do you say? You say, well, I like all my kids. Um, and I remember somebody saying to me once, you don't have to like all of your kids, they just can't know. Um, so <laughs> that, to hear a parent say, and I, I to, yeah, to hear a parent say, she thinks you don't like her. The, my first reaction was defense. Um, and then I, I kind of stopped because I didn't know what to say. And I was a young teacher. This is very early on in my career. I kind of stood there and then I started, you know, on the defense trail of listing all of the things that she did. Um, and I didn't stop to think about, you know, but why, why doesn't, why does she think that? Why, how am I behaving? What am I saying? What am I doing to make this little girl not want to come to school? that's that was really really hard so i did a lot of reflection on that um and literally the next day i realized i needed to change that yeah. she became one of my absolute favorite students um i started looking at her not for perhaps the difficulty that she that she caused me for lack of a better word or or you know the for how hard I had to work to kind of relate to her but I realized that I couldn't relate to her that I didn't get to know her that I hadn't built a relationship with her and literally the next day I came in with a different mindset a different attitude and I had to stop my one colleague used to say um, sit on your hands and so I would literally sit on my hands as a reminder to myself to allow her to say what she needed to say in whichever way it came out which may not have been um, you know, the most desirable way. But I once I started allowing her to be who she was without jumping down her throat, you know, she all of a sudden, you know, started to relate to me. And I remember the last day of school that year and she sobbed and her mom said it was one of her her best years. Mm. So it was really, really tough to hear that, but it was clearly something I needed to hear. And moving forward, I changed the way I dealt with those, quote unquote, tough kids. And, you know, I don't like the term tough kids, but it's, it's those, you know, it's it's a term that people relate to. It's, it's a term that people understand. They're not the kids that walk in and make your life easy. They're not the kids that follow the rules every single day. And, you know, ask how high, when you say jump, they're the kids who require a different kind of love and a different kind of relationship, a different kind of conversation. And as my, you know, education journey kind of unfolded after that, I started to let go of that need to be in control or to be, you know, it it my classroom moved away from I am the teacher these are my students to we are a family if you oh. will.
0: Yeah, that that journey first of all thank you for for sharing that and putting yourself out there and being so vulnerable about that but your journey just It resonates with me. So I'm a 42-year-old man, and and you just took me back in time 30 years to sixth grade. And uh, when I was in sixth grade, first of all, I grew up as a a military brat, so I moved all the time, but I moved halfway through sixth grade, and I went into a brand-new classroom where I had been in a middle school environment. Now I went back to a sixth grade elementary school environment where I was in one teacher's classroom all day. And I'm going to throw this teacher's name out there because if she's still alive and hears this, she needs to know the negative impact she had on me so she can change it. (laughs) Miss Fabus. Oh, Miss Fabus. I I remember I was a new kid, came to the class in January or February. And up until that point, I had always been the good kid in every class. I was the golden child. I was seen as the smart kid. I walked into her class though, And I remember from the first moment I walked in, I could just feel that she didn't like me. I could Mm -hmm. feel this this tension between the two of us. Um, And it was amplified by just little snide comments or even just looks. And I I took them and I I just blew them up in my mind. And I spent weeks crying as a 12-year-old boy, crying in the mornings, not wanting to go to school because I thought this teacher didn't like me. And my parents then arranged for a conference with the teacher. And I remember the teacher dismissing every single thing that I said. And it it, it it instead of helping, it just it hurt even worse because now this teacher was basically accusing me of being a liar and not being in touch mm-hmm. with who I was. And it just amplified the the displeasure. And I could have completely changed my trajectory as a student after that moment. Had I had to sit through her class for an entire year. I thank God it was only a couple of months. Mm-hmm. I could get a reset the next year. But teachers, I think it's so important to remember that um, how you are perceived matters and building relationships does take intentional effort. It goes more than just yes. saying, I like my kids. It's more than just yes. a simple smile. It takes intentional, just like relationships with adults. If yes. you're not picking up the phone and actually calling your friends, if you're not taking your, your loved ones out on, on dates or writing love notes or sending flowers or whatever the case may be, then people can start to think, Oh, don't they like me anymore? Or don't they love me? It relationships take effort. And I, I love Thank that you. you brought that out. That was, that's amazing. That's a powerful story. So you. W- with that, you, you do say it's all about kids. And I know it's especially all about the kids in your classroom, your 30 kiddos that you get to, <laughs> to spend two years with because of how yeah. things are done in, in Canada with kindergarten. But you take it beyond that. You're not just focused on your own kids. I, I feel like you've taken on this new mission now to amplify your message beyond your classroom, beyond your school um, even beyond Ontario. And I mean, you're, you're an author now, you're an editor, you're doing all kinds of stuff with, uh, Brian Aspinall and Codebreakers. How did that come to be? Where did you get the the courage, first of all, to step out and say, yeah, I got a voice. I want people to hear it. And then to, to take it bigger.
1: I love this story. I'm so glad you asked. (laughs) So I was shamelessly um and, and he knows so it's okay. I was a Brian Aspinall fangirl and he has many. Well, so, so am I. Uh,
0: yeah, right. Exactly. Aren't we all?
1: <laughs> right. So I've been following his journey on social media for quite some time and he and he um yeah, he was this Canadian educator and the things that he was doing in his classroom were uh were and amazing. Have
0: you seen his hair? I've I mean, seen come his on. hair. It's
1: a bit out of control <laughs> right now.
0: Well I'm I'm really jealous of jealous of anybody with hair, just to be honest. But yeah, go ahead, sorry.
1: <laughs> he um yeah, this I, I loved the, the tech stuff that he was doing. I am a huge advocate for the integration of technology. I do a ton of stuff in my classroom, outside of my classroom with my kids, with adults, uh, my colleagues with technology. It's that's one of my biggest passions in education is technology. So I was really loving all the stuff that he did, and I remember watching different, you know, Instagram feeds and, and Twitter feeds about all the stuff that he was doing, and then he was traveling outside of the country and doing these things with other classrooms, and I just, I, don't know, I thought it was amazing. So I followed his journey, and uh, last year, we had, he was teaching, I found out he was teaching um, an additional qualifications course. So here in Ontario, our AQs are um, extra courses that we can take, and as we sort of, check off the courses that we have. Um, it gives us different qualifications for, you know, further job um, placements and things like that. So the one of the courses that he was taking was called Integration of Information and Computer Technology, IICT. So I'd seen this course, I wanted to take it because there was it was interesting and I thought, hey, why not? Um, and then I saw that he was the instructor bonus. So I'm going to take this course. So I signed up for this course and I couldn't finish it. It was around the time where my brother had passed away and I, I realized that it was not something I could take on. So I remember sending him an email. I, he didn't know who I was. I only knew him from, you know, from social media. And I just said, look, I signed up for this course. I have to drop it. Um, and here's why. And I explained why. And he sent a beautiful email in response. He didn't have to, uh, he could have just said, you know, he, he could have said thanks he could have said nothing actually so I uh, thought it was really sort um, of down to earth I loved that he took the time out of however many students he had to say take the time that you need and hopefully we'll, we'll meet again in our journey so a year later I um, one of my colleagues had said you know hey do you know this, this Brian Aspinall guy I'd like to get him to come to our school and you know, we're this tiny, tiny, we're the school in know middle of this community. And here's this huge, you know, as far as I was concerned, celebrity. He's and a rock star gonna, for sure. Yeah, yeah, right? We're gonna get him to our school, That's amazing. So we couldn't get him to our school that year. So it was just another like, oh God, <laughs> I'm trying. So that same colleague said, hey, why don't we take the IICT course together? Perfect, so we did. So we signed up for this course, I was all excited. Fantastic, we were gonna take in the summer. Um, in the meantime, we take our little show uh, of, of tech stuff on the road and we presented at, my colleague and I presented um, last year, I guess the year before, at um, Connect, which is a huge uh, conference in Niagara Falls. So we go to this conference, we present on all things integration of technology in the classroom and sitting in the front row was uh, a gentleman by the name of Mike Washburn. Mike work, worked at the time for, do you know Mike? Mm-hmm. Um, and Mike worked for Logics Academy at the time, which is a Canadian company. So Mike was there. Mike saw the presentation. He thought it was great. Moving along, following week, Mike is at a conference in, I believe it was Saskatchewan with Brian and says, hey, do you know these people? Um, so Brian does his Google research, as you did. <laughs> and he then reaches out to me through a DM the following week and asked me if I would be interested. At the time I was blogging, Uh, I still am. And so I guess he looked at a couple of the blogs and asked through DM if I was interested in writing a blog post for his website. Um, And I freaked out as (laughs) one does. And uh, so I started writing this this blog post. It took a couple months. Um, I wrote it. My post was all about um, kindergarten, coding in kindergarten and um, being able to, teach our youngest learners what uh, they're capable of and teaching everybody else what our youngest learners are capable of so I wrote this blog post I submit it he throws it up on his website which was at the time for me the coolest thing that had ever happened um, on my education journey and and so that was about May June ish and then in July I, I hadn't you know we we kind of chit-chatted back and forth through, through uh, DMs just on the post and when it was going to be up, and, and that was sort of it. And then in July of last year, not sure year, year before, um, I was sitting in my backyard, and I had a DM on my phone, and it was Brian, and he said, hey, have you ever thought of writing a children's book? This is literally the conversation I do, story. have you ever thought of writing a children's book? and i respond and i said in fact i have but i've never known where to start and he responded literally with you just start Hmm. and that was it so I i remember staring at this going oh it's that simple so that day i pulled out a notebook i pulled out my my uh my laptop and i started throwing ideas down and it was in print, published six months later.
0: Wow, that's yeah. cool.
1: Yeah, that cool. and you know, over the course of that time, we developed a professional relationship and then a friendship, and here we are. i look
0: at you. Yeah, now you're like the face. That's amazing. <laughs> right? That I is so cool. <laughs> <laughs> that's awesome. Well, now we're all fangirling over you. So that's that's pretty Yay. cool. That's a great little journey. What what is next for you?
1: What is next? Um, what is next? So recently, like I said, I'd taken on um, editing for um, our, our Codebreaker uh, brand, and which is so amazing to work with different educators and authors from across the, the the continent is unbelievable. Like you couldn't have told me, you know, even two years ago that this is where I'd be sitting right now. Um, it's amazing to be able to, to, to collaborate with these people and to, to give them ideas and have, have these people who I look up to, these people who I think are so phenomenal at what they do and say, Hey, I have an idea for how, you know, you can restructure this and to have these people, I think so highly of sit there and go, my God, that's amazing. It's, it's, it's it's just, it's really cool. (laughs) It's really cool. I love that. Um, so being able to work with them is amazing and, and being able to have that professional dialogue back and forth is, is really cool. So that's sort of, um, what we're, we're doing now. Um, and then for me, I have, so I wrote Gracie, which is a children's book about a little girl, um, whose learning is brought to life when her teacher introduces her to coding and robotics. Um, and the book is not, yes, there's coding and there's robotics, but the book is more, um, it's about it's about giving our kids opportunities to learn something they didn't know. It's about giving our kids opportunities to um, discover new learning and a new way of thinking and get them to, to love school that way. Yeah. So when I initially started with the Gracie idea, I always had thoughts and plans to make it a series of sorts. So the first book is where Gracie discovers coding and robotics, and the next book is where she meets a new friend um, and they discover making. Um, and I won't give much away I'm about a third way through um, and her and her new friend learn to solve a problem with um, with collaboration and 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 how they start building things in their classroom to, to solve some some everyday problems there that's awesome uh, and then I have I've always wanted to kind of write a, a book book I don't know what you call those a books book, but <laughs> a, a, a teacher book <laughs> uh, so i would had ideas uh, floating around for a while and every time I wrote them, it was kind of like, you know, I don't think anybody's going to want to listen to this. And then what editing has done for me is really given me the opportunity to look at other people's writing and say, this is amazing. And I would absolutely love, like, I love reading about other people's journey in education. Um, why wouldn't somebody like to read about mine? Mm. Um, and I've, so, so that's, it's, it's my journey to, where I am and, and how I got there and cool. what, um, what struggles that I had to face to, to get here. So.
0: I, I love this so much. I mean, it truly began with a DM that said, just start. And now look at you start, now, now there's right? no stopping. It just keeps no. going and going. And do you ever turn it off? I mean, I, I know I jokingly no. talked about you sitting poolside and curling and playing hockey and all that, but even then is your mind constantly going, I mean, you you teach these littles, and your kindergarten just, I mean, it would wear me out. I wouldn't have any energy to do anything else, but you're editing, you're writing, you're in charge of social media. I mean, it is nonstop, isn't it?
1: it it's nonstop. Yeah, it's, uh, it's tough. I, um, I, can't, I can say, uh, so I've been teaching for 15 years and kindergarten is the most exhausting, yes. the most difficult and the most rewarding thing that I've done. In, in 15 years in education, it has been um, the best thing that I've done for myself personally. And as an educator, it's helped me become better because I getting to see where our students are, are starting and where they're going um, is a pretty huge gift to have. And I really think that everybody should um, should teach kindergarten or at least kind of walk in those classrooms for a bit. and know, Check
0: it out. I, I couldn't, I mean, seriously, it- for more than one, one, one reason, I, I've jokingly said that every educator should start off in early elementary for two reasons. One, it will build up their immunity when they get all that snap <laughs> yeah. stuff rubbed all over them. They will so never gross. take a sick day later on. <laughs> and when they learn, when they can figure out how to uh, manage five and six-year-olds, 13, 14, 15-year-olds, piece of cake. I mean, it's, seriously, yeah. I agree completely. I agree completely.
1: I love it. I do. I love, I love the, you know, they come at you with such different I think I'm going on a tangent here so forgive me but what I love about kindergarten is that they come at you with incredibly different skill sets abilities understandings development levels everything we have kids who walk in the door who still can't dress themselves independently and we have kids who walk in the door who can do all of that and then some and are ready for you know two grades above and there's 30 of those kids in one room for 10 months. So <laughs> it's, it's, it's amazing to it be is. able to be a part of that.
0: Well, I, I, it's gotta be powerful, especially, at the end of the school year, to look back oh, at the end crazy. of that two-year journey and just to be able to see all that growth and progress. It, when you're in the trenches, just like with anything in life, when you're in the trenches of that change and that transformation, though, you don't see it. Like you talked about your own journey and how there were so many things that you didn't see about how you were interacting with people that you didn't understand, but you can look back on it now and say, whoa, look at all that growth. Or yeah. even, even your, your professional journey with writing and editing. Two years ago, would you have ever thought this is where you'd be, but you look back on you it and say, oh my gosh, look at this. I think that's, that's such such an amazing outlook that we all have so much to be grateful for just because we're here and we're still moving and we're still growing. It's so cool.
1: Yeah. And I think w- what I've learned in the last couple of years especially is um, you know, <laughs> your life, your outlook is is what you make of it. So I can choose to you know, and it's very cliche, you know, you choose, you're happy you know, you can choose to be happy. You can choose to be grateful, you know, and all of those cliche things mean something and and they're real and they're true and, and, and all of that. But what the gift that I get from that outlook is being able to look at my kids and say, so I have a you know a little person who comes in in the morning and she's screaming at the top of her lungs because she wants her mom because they had a particularly good weekend or rough weekend or, just because the sky is blue today and she wants to have nothing to do with school. I have two choices in that situation. I can um, shush her and I can leave her be and I can say, all right, let's, you know, let's, let's let this go and we can move on. Or I can sit with her and I can wrap my arm around her and I can hand her some Kleenex and Mm -hmm. I can ask her if she wants a hug. So I used to be the person who would say, all right, wrap this up. You're over it. Yeah. Um, and I'm not that person anymore because wow, I don't want, if I'm a sobbing mess and listen, I am (laughs) the, the wrap it up doesn't help anybody. So the, the, the kindness that is, it takes the same amount of time. It takes the same amount of energy. Um, but the results are so different and not only the results different for the child, but the results are different for me. I feel mm-hmm. so much better when I can say, yeah, you know what? She cried for half an hour, but we're good. We're good. And, and what we've done in our classroom is we've taught, our very proud of this. We've taught our students empathy and sympathy. So when, you know, our little friend comes in crying, the rest of our friends know, all right, we're going to do our independent thing until she or he is okay. And then mm-hmm. the teacher's going to come back to us and, and, and we got this. And, and, we, we teach that we're, we're, I mean, I have an amazing group of kids and an amazing, you know, supportive family community with our students, but that it comes back to that intention. And when we are intentional about how we are reacting, and it's not just kids, it's with our colleagues, it's with our family, it's with whoever, um, it's that, that little gesture makes, makes all the difference. And it takes the same amount of energy, it takes the same amount of time. The results are way different.
0: That was awesome, and you—you might have just—you just, just might have nailed it. This might be the first preemptive mic drop in the history of this podcast. Because oh, perfect! No, right? I—I don't—I don't know that we can sum up any any of your truth any better than you just did. Um, I mean, it, it's so powerful. Empathy, sympathy, evolution of of who you are, growth. I mean, it, it's all wrapped up in that. But, but you know that with this podcast, I always say we're going to end with a mic drop moment, and. Again, I don't want to put you on the spot if there's nothing else you need to say, because honestly, that might have been the best mic drop moment. That wasn't a mic drop moment ever. Um, do you have anything else you want to wrap up with, though? I mean, your, your journey is just, it's so powerful. Honestly, I, I think everybody listening to this right now is thinking, I want to be friends with Daphne. I want to get to know her. I want to uh, learn with her. I want her to help me grow. Uh, but what, what else is there to share with, with the world that wants to be your friend now?
1: It just, I've learned the power of of reflection. I've learned the power of honesty. Um, And, you know, as I've grown, what I've said, what I say about myself is I am who I am and you can take it or leave it. Um, And, and I'm okay with that. And if you don't like something about me, if you don't like something that I do or the way I do it, that's on you. And I've been able, I, I wasn't like that before. I've been able to become that person. I don't know if there was a, a moment in time where I became that person, if there was a, a particular event that caused that. But I've always known what I really believed about education, about our kids, our kids are first, my kids are first. Um, what their, their emotions, their needs are my top priority. And they always will be. And how I choose to deal with that or handle that in my classroom may not look the same as others. It uh, doesn't mean it's better or worse. It's it's just the way I roll. And it is, it is who I am. I treat my kids with dignity and with respect. Um, and in turn, usually, I get the same mm-hmm. <laughs> from them, whether they're four or 14. So I always go back to that. And I always go back to not so much, you know, how would you want to be treated? But just that, you know, being able to give somebody that feeling of um, comfort and that feeling of kindness, it just it just goes a long way. Um, and when you have those relationships with your students, you really, can you there's just there's no telling what you can do with them and what they will do as a result of feeling like they belong in your classroom and feeling that they belong in their classroom and that it's not my space but it's our space and so that empathy and that kindness and that compassion i think is what we need to what needs to be our number one focus with with our students so i don't know if that was as Powerful. I was going to say,
0: you well, the unscripted piece, that, that was, but... that was impressive. A, a double mic drop. It's, <laughs> I, I don't know how, how you did it, but you just dropped two of them today. So that's awesome. That is so cool. That definitely. I am just so grateful for, first of all, you finding the time to do this as a, a woman that's doing all the things to find time for this um, in your busy, crazy, hectic schedule. I am so grateful and so appreciative. Um, and I'm also just grateful for your transparency for taking us through this journey because I think there are so many of us that relate to that, that who we are today is, is not who we were even a year, two years ago. I mean, we're the same person, we're proud of who we are, uh, but we, we have to embrace growing and bettering ourselves and um, evolving our beliefs and evolving our strategies. And um, I, I'm just, I'm so impressed with your willingness to, to share that transition that you've gone through so that we can all feel comfortable doing it ourselves. For those people that are listening or watching this and they wanna connect with you, I'm gonna have all of your contact info in in the show notes, but there are some people that just listen and just watch. Can you just tell them where they can find you and where they can find your books and all things Codebreaker?
1: Awesome, so I have a website, daphneemcmenemy.com. You can find me there. You can find me at codebreakeredu.com. And then I am on Twitter at mcmenemytweets. I'm on Instagram at daphling01, and you can find me on Facebook,
0: Awesome. And that last name, I mean, I, I first of all, how, how many times can you say that fast? <laughs> like, And can you say it like 10 seconds? Just b- 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 Oh my gosh, that's awesome. Kids
1: can say it. I don't
0: care. That's awesome. Now, Daphne, again, thank you so much for, for doing this today and being here and introducing yourself to, to others and um, introducing us to the people that are in your life that have made you who you are. I am so grateful And I know that our listeners are uh, just blown away by your story. Thank you so much. Thank you. Did you enjoy this episode? I hope so. If you did, feel free to keep listening by subscribing right now to the Lasting Learning Podcast and get new episodes as soon as they're released. Interested in knowing more about me, Dave Schmidto? Well, feel free to find out what makes me tick by reading one of my books, Bold Humility, or It's Like Riding a Bike. Feel free to check them both out on Amazon, Barnes & Noble, or directly on my website, Schmitto.net. That's S-C-H-M-I-T-T-O-U.net.